Good morning. So I've been given the final word on Matthew, the final word on the Great Commission, final word of today perhaps even. So uh, I feel quite privileged to uh, get this opportunity. Um, And uh, there's a few of you have turned up, which is great. (laughs) This side, you've done really well. Not so good effort. I was a bit daunted when James was talking to me a little while ago about the, the teaching program that Graham had put together, and James said, yeah, I'm, you know, we're doing the Great Commission uh, towards the end of Matthew, and we're actually doing three weeks on the same verses, but it's all right, he said, because I've got the first lot. So nobody can kind of tread on my toes. This is James. Anyway, I had a look at the teaching program a week or two after that in more detail. I discovered there's actually four weeks in the Great Commission. And the first three people in Graham's teaching program all got a new verse each. So there was an extra bit. They got one whole verse. I got the fourth week today, and I didn't get any new verses. Yeah. Thanks, Graham. So we're going to go off on a slightly different tangent, which is my speciality. Um, But we are going to use the verses that we've heard Linda read. Um, And just to set the scene, obviously... You know, we've, we've talked about Matthew quite a bit now. We're, we're into the, the closing verse. Um, and I just want to remind you that all that Jesus has been talking about and all that we've been learning uh, from, from what's recorded in the book is about God establishing his kingdom here on earth right now in our lifetime. It's not about getting people saved and then hoping they behave just about okay until eternal life at some point later. Have we got that now? The kingdom is now. The kingdom is here. What we do with our lives, what we do with um, the people around us, what we do in our jobs, what we do with our families, what we do with the clubs we're involved in, what we do with politics, whatever it is, what we do with our money, all affects God's kingdom now. And we have the chance to bring about God's kingdom on earth now in whatever measure is possible. And uh, that's the focus of, um, of Jesus' ministry. So we're looking at the Great Commission. Um, we get the last, the last half verse. Um, so what does Jesus actually mean? What is he talking about when he says, I'll be with you until the very end? And um, we'll just rewind a bit to uh, think about that in more detail. Uh, let's just go back to Genesis. It's, it's the beginning. Um, it says in Genesis in chapter 3 that God was actually walking in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. Um, so, uh, you know, however we look at Genesis as a story, as, as gospel fact, I don't know. But God's original plan is what's blueprinted in Genesis. And it was that he was walking on the earth with us in his creation. And I, I don't know about you, but the physical presence of God walking with me isn't something I've had. I, anybody got any different? <laughs> um, but that must have been great. Um, there's lots of examples of God's desire to live with us and live alongside his creation. I can take another one uh, from the book of Joshua, uh, Deuteronomy. Sorry, Moses uh, has had a promise from God that he's to pass on to Joshua as he's handing over to him. Um, and in Deuteronomy 31, God says to Joshua via Moses that he will never leave or forsake him. And I think that's another good example because it shows God's heart that he didn't just plonk us here to one day be again with him in eternity, but he's with us now. 
And then the book of Matthew, we've just been looking at it. God sent his son Jesus to come and live on earth. And if you don't know much about that, we've just been doing a bit on that in Matthew. You could rewind online and you could listen again, or you could read the book. So Jesus on earth, in bodily form, was God and was fully human. I think last time I talked, I said this, it's a bit of a paradox, and I'm not going to try and fully explain it. I think John will do that if you have a chat with him. No, he's shaking his head even. (laughs) It's a mystery, but he was God, and he was human. And if we want to see what God would do if he was here amongst us in bodily form, then looking at Jesus is the closest thing we have. He's not in bodily form with us right now, um, but he did come and walk among us, or as the message puts it, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Uh, he, he came and walked with humans. He was part of a family. Um, he made friends and a few enemies. Maybe he learned to do carpentry off his dad. He was a Jewish rabbi or teacher. He was very much human. He ate. He went to the loo. He slept. God came and became us, which is amazing. Um, and the disciples, probably of all the people that Jesus met, they got the highest level of privilege. They got the closest relationship with Jesus. They spent three years of teaching and ministry with Jesus. They laughed with him. They cried with him. They ate with him. They saw him at his highs. They saw him at his, his lower points and his frustrations. Um, and I think they got a human-to-human experience with the humanity of God that he chose to take on that I've not had. Um, and they got a, a real privilege in that. So they've had this experience of God one-on-one, uh, and Jesus is, is giving them the Great Commission. It's, it's parting words, and he's going to be ascending to heaven, and he's going to be leaving his body behind. And it's like a big goodbye. If, if one of my friends or family or someone that I've been very close to for a period of time was saying, I'm off shortly... and and that's going to be it until the other side, then that would feel like a big goodbye. Um, But he actually promises them that he won't leave them. And today we're kind of saying, well, what does that mean? Because clearly he did leave them in bodily form, but he didn't leave them alone. And it's been God's desire from Genesis through to now and continuing to live with his people. And that's what the Bible tells us about, is the story of God walking with his people. That isn't going to change. God has wanted to be with his people, and he always does. Uh, I could put a big however slide up now. (laughs) How close I feel to Jesus doesn't quite stay consistent. I don't know if it's just me, to quote Graham, but I don't always feel exactly the same level of closeness to Jesus. And it would be wrong for me to make out that my experience of knowing Jesus was just like the disciples' experience of knowing Jesus, who had Jesus in bodily form. Uh, My experience of knowing Jesus isn't like my experience of knowing my wife or my friends or any of you lot or anybody else I bumped into in the street because I don't have him, I can't touch him, I can't feel him, I can't share a meal with him. It's not the same. It would be amazing, and I look forward to doing it one day. Um, But that's not yet. But despite this difficulty, I know 
for fact, in my head, not always in my feelings, 100% that Jesus is with me regardless of those feelings. That's the truth. He's always with me, not in human form, but by his spirit. We see it through and through the Bible that God promises he's with us, and Jesus is repeating that in the Great Commission. He hasn't left us. He doesn't leave us alone. He's a good father. The truth, regardless of how I feel, is that he's always with me. Oh, and you too. <laughs> Forgot that. As I just mentioned, my feelings are really, really fickle. They cannot be trusted. If I carried out my life and all of the actions that I choose to take and the decisions I make purely based on the feelings that I have, you don't want to know what it might look like. <laughs> every whim, every idea, some of them might be great and maybe I've put them to one side and I should have gone for it, but other ones, you don't want to know. And I'm sure you've maybe got similar things, things you've maybe, feelings that are worth following and feelings that are a bad idea, <laughs> or too many of them. <laughs> Um, and I think the way to look at this is, is something that's covered in the Alpha course, and I can actually refer you to the clip via an email if you'd like afterwards, but we can balance feelings with faith and with facts. Facts are what we know, uh, possibly something we've experienced of God, something we can remember and look back on and lean on and say, no, that's what happened. I know God said, I know God did, I know I experienced, that doesn't change. Um, faith is the choice to believe those facts. And God gives us faith. We can ask for it and he gives it us. And we can use that faith and those facts to test the feelings and say, hang on, that's, that's not the God I know. That's not the God that did this. That's not the God that revealed that through the Bible, through his word. So feelings are great, but let's just not be guided by them solely. When I look back at some of the harder times in my life, and I remember just how distant Jesus felt and how alone I felt, when I reflect back, I can actually see that he was right there with me. And those are the times when actually he's probably shaped me and developed me and helped me grow the most, which sounds really kind of twee. <laughs> uh, and I could put the footsteps in the sand poem up, and we could kind of do that, and it, it is a bit twee, but I, I'll give you one experience from my own life that hopefully brings it back to reality a little bit. I'm not just saying this. Um, nine and a half years ago, uh, I went on the New Year house party, Crusading New Year house party as a leader, uh, so that was 0708 New Year, and I was there with a, a girlfriend who was also a leader, and we were helping, and it was a really, really good time. You don't get a lot of sleep, it's fairly intense. Some of you have been on house parties or heard about them. Um, the, the senior leaders, like Graham and Rosemary, they're kind of slave drivers, really, on the normal leaders. <laughs> and um, it was a full-on time anyway. And I've been prone in my life at times to feel a bit low sometimes, to feel a bit anxious or have panic attacks. And um, I was having a great time on this house party, and the conversation came up with my girlfriend that 
maybe, maybe this was going great, and maybe we should, we should be thinking about marriage. So along with the sleepless nights due to the house party and everything else, I'd also got all this in my head. And then um, we drove back from the house party, and we were at my home that evening, the day that we'd driven back. And I had probably the worst panic attack I've ever had in my life, just sitting on the sofa, drinking a cup of tea. And um, I was sick, and I won't give you all the details, but it was bad. And um, I lost all my peace. I felt really, really low. And um, ended up being off work for a number of weeks and going to doctors because I felt so low. I felt like my world had fallen apart, and I, I got tablets, and I didn't take any at the time. But for reasons that my life was going well, I'd had a good house party, God was great, this girl was amazing, and maybe we were going to talk about marriage. But the way life had gone had overwhelmed my capacity to cope. And I hit bottom. And I thought God had gone miles away. And it didn't make sense anymore. Nothing made it okay. And as those few weeks went by, um, and I realized that the world carried on without me because I couldn't do a lot. I spent a lot of time in bed or time just sitting and reading. Um, and work carried on and everything carried on and I wasn't, I wasn't missed. I started to kind of learn to be and be a bit more still and just be in the moment and not 10 steps ahead. I found that God started to speak to me again. And gradually, I healed and built back up and you know, got back to being me again. And um, would I choose to go back through that time in order that God could shape me some more? No, not a chance. <laughs> but... I know full well, it's one of the facts in my life, that I can look back and say that difficult, difficult period, God absolutely, absolutely did something in my life. And there have been other periods since that have been hard for, for one reason or another, often in me related to anxiety and um, feeling low. And I can lean on those facts in my head, but my feelings don't say, hurrah, difficult times. <laughs> So that's what it's like. That's how it works for me. And uh, one other example uh, that I could just give or, or, or a comparison is I've, I've got into cycling over the last year or so, and I use an app to tell me how I'm doing. And it gives a little graph. And when you go uphill, the graph goes up. When you go hill, downhill, the graph goes down. Or if it's flat, it goes along. And it overlays on that graph your speed. So when you're going fast, your speed goes up. And when you're going slow, your speed goes down. Uh, well, I, I think on this graph that maybe the terrain, the hills, are a bit like life and just how it goes. It's not God that does it to you, it's just what happens. It's just the way it is. And speed is a bit like my feelings. So the hill comes, life gets a bit tougher, and my speed goes down. <laughs> and then life gets a bit of an easy ride, and my feelings go great. The reality might be the opposite. Uphill on my bike is shaping my muscles, it's toning me, it's burning off calories, it's doing all the things that I actually ride a bike for. Going downhill is great fun, but it doesn't sharpen me up or tone me, it's not much training. And maybe life's a bit like that. Um, so I'd like to suggest that Jesus is closer than I feel that he is, because my feelings are useless. And maybe he's closer than you feel that he is too. Hi up there. There's space for you down here today. <laughs> Often stuff gets in the way of me feeling Jesus close. 
And I think the major culprit, or one of the two major culprits, um, it's a bit of a go-to, is probably sin. And we'll come back to that in just one moment. But I think there's another major culprit in my life, and maybe in a little bit when we have some ministry time, you can ask God what, what it is in your life. But I think the other big issue in my life is busyness. I fill my life with stuff. I fill my time with stuff. And to a point, I walk around kind of not orientated, and I just, whatever comes at me, I take. And I've probably signed up for most of it. <laughs> it's my own fault. And I don't choose to put a high enough priority some of the time, most of the time, on my relationship with Jesus. It could always have a higher priority. And the other stuff could have a lower priority. As I discovered when I had a few weeks being in bed, being low, feeling rubbish, taken out, the world carried on just fine without me. <laughs> the world won't fall apart if you stop messing with it. Um, yeah, so just spending time with him and not being busy with stuff. It might even be good stuff that you're busy with, but that's a whole other sermon. Right, Jesus died on our behalf to pay the price for our sin so that we could have relationship with God. When we repent of our sin, it's really important that we receive the free gift of forgiveness. Now, this is the gospel. We've just heard it explored for the last number of months. Um, and Jesus says that unless we come like little children, we'll never enter the kingdom. Are little children good at accepting free gifts? Do they even just shamelessly ask for them? Yes. Are adults good at accepting free gifts? Do we shamelessly ask for them? You, there's one. One in the whole room. So, yeah. Always her. Okay. As adults, I think we could start to learn to become more childlike when it comes to receiving forgiveness. Because if we mess up, sorry, when I mess up, I don't know about you, um, I ask God to forgive me, and then I behave like that thing that I did, that sin, is still in the way of my relationship with God. Anyone else do that? But actually, he said that the cross is enough and it's forgiven. Are we watering down what Jesus said or somehow telling God he didn't cover it? Come on. The cross was enough. He died for your sin. And when he says that it's a free gift and all you've got to do is ask, he means it. He's not messing with you. God, please help us accept it. It'll transform our relationship with him, I'm sure. And I think this is for me today. I hope it's for you too. I'd like to read you a quote from um, a pretty famous preacher called Tozer. One of you two of you might have heard of him. How unutterably sweet is the knowledge that our Heavenly Father knows us completely. No talebearer can inform on us. No enemy can make any accusation stick. No forgotten skeleton can come tumbling out of the closet to abash us and expose our past. No unsuspected weakness in our characters can come to light to turn God away from us, since he knew us utterly before we knew him, and called us to himself in the full knowledge of everything that was against us. You're not going to surprise God with your mess-ups. He knew you completely before you were born. He knew you before you knew him. He knows everything you'll get wrong. And that's okay. It's all covered by the cross. 
yeah, there's another sermon down there as well. We'll, we'll divert, stick on today's track. Um, Jesus' brother James wrote the following um, in James 4. We could put it on the screen, actually, Andy. We'll do it. Um, James wrote, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he'll come near to you. So just in closing off this, this bit about sin, but also pulling it back to being close to God, um, the good news is, if we resist the devil, he'll flee from us. We've just got to make some kind of effort to say, no, and he will flee in Jesus' name. But if we come near to God, if we turn, and it came up in the prayer meeting this morning, like the prodigal son, if we just turn and, and start heading back towards God in any way that we know how, he comes running back to us with the robe, with the ring, with the fatted calf killed, with the feast. He just loves to accept us back. That sin doesn't mean that when we go back, it's like, yeah, but he, it's gone. It's complete. His love is complete. He's a good father. So today we're going to take an opportunity for us all to respond to what God's been saying to us. I believe that God is close and that God speaks to us and that if we come near to him, then you could leave it up, Andy, actually. If, um, if we come near to him, then he will be faithful and come near to us. Do we believe that? I'm yeah. um, going to give you two, two, op- two ways of responding this morning. If the prayer and ministry team would like to come forwards, there'll be an opportunity now to... Um, I've made them come forwards first, so if anyone does want to come forward, you don't feel awkward. They do. They're already at the front. Um, there's an opportunity to come and receive prayer that you'll know God's presence more closely in your life, a touch of it right now, but for the week, so that you can be a part of bringing his kingdom about on earth this week. Um, If there's something you're struggling with, they'd love to pray with you. Um, But there's also a chance if you don't choose to come and receive prayer at the front, and there's nothing special about coming at the front, it's just where the space is. Um... If you wave, they'll probably come to you. Um, But if you choose to stay where you are and reflect this morning, I believe that God will speak to you right where you are. You could reflect on the the scripture that we've got on the screen, which is from um, James 4, if you wanted to read the chapter. You could do some journaling if you've got a pen and paper. You could just be quiet and listen to the music that Linda's going to start in a moment. You could just still yourself down and not be busy with something just for once this week. I'm not very good at this. I believe God speaks to us when we listen to him, and I believe God comes close when we turn to him. I'm expecting that God will speak to lots of you today. It's really exciting when we hear something from God, and it's worth holding on to and turning into one of those rocks that you can look back on. But what I'll also say is that today is an opportunity to do something personal between you and God. Often, it feels like, oh, God's given me something, I must share it. And sometimes God gives us something for that reason, but today... I just ask you to keep this for you and God. It's, it's not to bring to the front and share at this time. Um, so Linda's going to start some music. I'm going to pray. You can quiet yourselves down. And if you want to come and receive prayer, come and see these, these lovely people or wave at them. And if you guys want to receive prayer, just pray with each other. Don't feel you've got to be in a different place to anybody else. I'll be joining the front of the queue in a minute. Father God, we just thank you for calling us into your family. We thank you that you're a good father to us.
and sorry when we try and behave like grown-ups instead of children. I pray that you give us the childlike spirit that you encourage us to have this morning. I pray that you give us a spirit of sonship and not an orphan spirit. I pray that we would know that we are adopted into your family and that we are completely loved as we are, who we are, the way we are, and that our offering that we bring to you might feel like absolutely nothing, but you love it, God. God, we just ask that your spirit would rest in this place now. We thank you for the praise that's gone up to you this morning, and we just pray that you'd come down and meet us. Thank you that you promised that you're here when we're gathered in your midst. I just pray that you'll envelop us with your presence now. Please touch our hearts in a way that brings about your kingdom this week in our world that we're a part of. Amen. Amen.